Today we are back again with our Q&A with Bishop James. Last week was tremendous, copacetic, insightful. We learned so much. So today we are deciding to follow. We're on with so many other questions which cropped up, but because of time, Bishop couldn't uh, give us any answers on that. So today, will you all join me and let's welcome the presiding Bishop of Christ Church International, Bishop James Hansen Sati. <laughs> so last week, um, we had so many questions, um, which Bishop did extremely well by trying to give us every answer we needed. We were focusing on avoiding spiritual errors. Today, our focus has shifted a little bit into order and ethics in the body of Christ. Order and ethics in the body of Christ. Now, um, before Bishop comes in, I don't know whether we all know and understand what order and ethics are. So we will let Bishop explain to us, give us a small synopsis about order and ethics, and then we'll delve into the questions. So, Bishop, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Deacon <laughs> it's a very powerful one. Right. Uh, he's still in the hard drive. Uh, if you are hearing me, we need him here <laughs> also to come and sit by me and um, ask a few questions. Anyway, we thank God for tonight and um, order, order, order. Let me say it with two scriptures. First Corinthians 14, the Bible says that let all things be done in order and decency. Scripture says that God is not the order of confusion. So uh, it's not the altar of confusion. And so we believe that Okay, is it clear now? Everyone can hear me? All right, okay. So I was asked to at least take us briefly through order and ethics in the house of God. And when it comes to order, First uh, Corinthians chapter 14 uh, tells us that God is not the author of confusion. And then it also says that let all things be done in order and in decency. Um, so in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth, there is order in the house of God. And so when it comes to ethics, because ethics form the basis for order. You know, when we talk about order, what makes order work? If you get to any place and there's orderliness, it is because there's proper work ethic in the place or proper, you know, ethical behavior that produces the outward manifestation of what we call order. Now, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, where we see the qualifications for the bishop and also for deacons, which I believe all those qualifications are actually supposed to be the basic standard qualification for every believer. It goes on finally to say, I have written these things to you that I may come to you shortly. But in case I am delayed, you will know how to conduct yourself in the church of the living God, which is the house of God, which is the pillar and ground of the truth. So there is a way to conduct yourself and that is called ethics. So ethically, we are talking about the above board standard of conduct and behavior in any situation, whether work, home, 
society, politics, and in church, there are ethical behaviors that we need to follow so as to see the orderliness that we want to see. And when we have order, then there will be development. So that is why um, we are going to talk about order and ethics in the house of God. Learns that the ethics and order cuts across everywhere. This is mm. not a purely church one. It is for everything you do. So we will just now from here, now we understand what order and ethics is. We will jump straight into the questions. You have quite interesting questions, Bishop. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the very first question says, is it right or biblical for church to warn its members? not to relate with those who have left the church. <laughs> uh, Hallelujah. Yeah. Glory be to Jesus. Yes. What a question. <laughs> right, thank you very much for the question. And um, is it right or biblical for a church to warn its members not to relate with those who have left the church? Under normal circumstances, the church is one. Um, but then under abnormal and unusual circumstances, then it looks like you're talking about the local church, let's say church A, and then uh, brother A and sister W have left the church. And then church A now wants its members not to relate with brother A and sister W who have left the church. Basically, that is the context of the question. And, and the answer, um, frankly and biblically is is a no and a yes a no and a yes or a yes and or no and it all depends on the circumstance so i will explain some of them so that we can look at the context because it's it's very very it's a very powerful question a very important question because it must show us to be christians first in all things and um, you know people leave church for various reasons um, it's either, number one, people leave church, in most of the cases, based on offense. And offense due to either indiscipline, you know, so someone is misbehaved, misconducted, has not followed ethics, and then is disciplined. And the person is not humble enough to accept discipline and therefore walks away from church as a result of anger. Or they are doing some other stuff. You know, again, when we talk about unethical things, it's not only about breaching probably standard rules in the house, but moral codes and moral rules. You know, when people are disciplined, they are not humble enough to accept discipline and then they want to hop to the other church and hop to church B. Um, or fight over positions. And so if he didn't get what he wants, the post he wants, uh, he may get angry and leave church. Um, and also probably for positions that they are not qualified for, they still, you know, fight over it. And if they don't get it, they leave. People have got all kinds of motives for wanting to leave. Um, the other biblical way also is that, I mean, if, there, if there's a clear unrepentant error in terms of doctrine in the church, and that is why I say clear unrepentant, not just because you saw a doctrinal error. You know, biblically, the scripture expects us to be Christians. And we, you see, a Christian, before I go on, a Christian is a practitioner of Christ. So that means that you must be practicing what Christ taught because what Christ taught was himself. He taught himself. And so we have to be mindful of that. And if there's anything that we are not happy with, bear in mind we're supposed to live in heaven together. So we shouldn't be quarreling here on earth. <laughs> so when we will go to heaven together, then we need to do standard and proper behaviors. 
And it's part of proper ethics and conduct that if we are not happy with anything, Jesus said, go to the person first and raise the matter with the person alone. Now, we see that if there are unrepentant doctrinal errors or practices, that means that these have been mentioned over and over and the church leadership is not changing, then that means that someone may be able to move to a place where you receive sound doctrine because doctrine also makes all the difference between going to heaven or hell. Now, so, the, but the question is that it is a Christian thing to go and talk about it or ask. In majority of the cases, people don't ask. They just leave and say, I, I'm not happy with certain practices here. And sometimes you ask, what are the practices? They are unable to put one finger on one particular thing. Because, and again, even if they did, have you gone to the top, as Christ said, to find out directly? See, this is where the Christian thing falls in. So we don't do that, and then, you know, they just leave. Um, and they don't, therefore, give the true reasons for their living. Sometimes some just abscond. A wall, you know, just go like that, absent without leave. It will take you years or months or weeks to find out that they are gone. Um, in the same way, it's either an explicit instruction from the Lord. That one will also have to be confirmed, you know, and then you are sent off nicely. These are all part of the ethical ways of doing things in the house of God. Um, so, and if it is an explicit instruction from the Lord and the Lord says you should leave because he wants you to go and start something new, etc., there can no way be a case where after you had left like that, you still turn around and slander the church, malign the church, and destroy the church. You know, so in that case, then you were lying with the kind of calling you said you were called because that means that you were already offended about something and you are hiding that. So different reasons why people leave. But then with all of that, that, that said, the issue is that when I said no, when I said no, no because we are supposed to be Christians. And if there are any issues, we are supposed to solve them. But whatever be the case, when someone decides to leave under normal circumstances, if all conditions are nice and right, and you are not happy even, but you have followed the right protocol, and you have been, you know, blessed, or you've received the approval to leave, you know, when I say approval to leave, nobody can hold you hostage in a church. But at least there is an amicable and understanding, you know, settlement or, you know, issues that have been settled that we all understand this is the reason why you are going you are not happy with abcd you follow christ's prescription you raised it it was mentioned it was discussed you still didn't feel uncomfortable in the situation and so you want to leave praise the lord you are gone when people live this way there is no way anyone you know will be worried that you relate with people from the place where you left off that shouldn't be the case it should be easy means of communication and relationship. You can say good morning and hi and relate with people. The second aspect of it where the danger lies is when our motive for living is evil, we hide it and the basis and motive for wanting to relate with people in the church you left is to slander the church to them, to ask them to leave the church. That is where from the Bible perspective, a warning can be given to the members of the church not to relate with the person who has left. And I know it will come as a shock to you, but before you try to describe me as unchristian, let me ask you a very important question. If you are a parent and you discover that your child is relating with someone who has very bad manners, is a bad boy or a bad girl, 
and you know that he or she is becoming a negative influence on your son or daughter, would you tell your daughter or son not to relate with that guy? I leave that with you to answer. If you ever want your son not to relate with that bad boy or that bad girl, then the question is, are you also being Christian? Because in the church, there is a father or a mother in the church. And the people in the house are his responsibility. So when someone will also maliciously slander the church to them, to deceive them, to lure them away from the church, then a responsible pastor will warn his house to be careful of that person. And that is the Bible thing to do. Let me prove a few things with scripture. This is a very loaded question. So let me answer all of that thoroughly. So the, what I was saying is that in, in reference to the very first one, you know, where we said that Jesus said, if they are not happy with anything, go and fact check. You know, make sure you fact check it. The experience has shown that in many, many churches, people live and they live on the wrong basis. And then when they leave, they also, you know, um, don't speak the truth. Sometimes they can come to the pastor in trying to fulfill all righteousness to say, oh, um, um, you know, due to domestic issues. Jesus said, if you are not happy with anything, whether from a practice or a doctrine, go to the person and raise it. So have you fulfilled that scripture? This is where we are supposed to be following the ethical instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ and practice proper behavior. And that's a very important thing. Matthew 18, 15, it says, Jesus is teaching here. You know, those of us that believe that we should follow Jesus. He says, if your brother sins against you, in other words, offends you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. First step, have you done that? The person who has left the church, have you done this? You haven't. Most of that, by the word of every witness, two or three witnesses, every word will be established. Did we follow this third point? You know, there's the second point. If we don't, the Bible says, if they don't receive you, take it to the next level, tell the church. In other words, bring the leadership of the church in. Now, if the person you are dealing with is a leader of the church, of course, then get other witnesses of his rank. He has got friends. He brings them to the ministry. You can draw their attention and bring them into the matter or bring the leadership of the church. Cases people don't follow Christ's prescription. And at the same time, they accuse others that they are not being Christian. So that is the, the other important thing here, which I, when someone has left the church and they come with stories, you learn to also fact check. Don't just listen to their emotional outbursts. Don't listen to the stories they are just bringing. Make sure that you are fact checking it. Again, scripture tells us that was the very nature of God. So in order to safeguard this, we need to follow again God's own prescription for these things. Because when people don't get their way, like Potiphar's wife, she has to cook up an imaginary story. But because she has something as Joseph's clothing and passes it on, you may think that is evidence, but there's a lie behind the evidence. The truth is not behind the evidence. And that is where the danger lies. It is true, Satan worked with God. In modern terms and in terms of, um, you know, secular organizational structure, you would have described Satan as God's personal assistant. He had worked with God. But are we saying that whatever Satan is saying about God is true because he wants to work with God? No. So again, fact check things. And I'll give you two instances where we need to fact check things. The Bible tells us that in, in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis chapter 18, verses 20 to 21, God did something interesting. He says that the Lord said, because the cry 
of Sodom, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great. And because their sin is grave and it has come up to my ears, I will go down now. So God came down to the earth and I will see whether they have done according to what I'm hearing. Before I destroy Sodom, I want to come down myself and fact check. Check the scriptures. God came down with two angels. They visited Abraham and then Abraham remained talking to God and God now disclosed to him that in fact, you are the first mission why we came. The second reason is Sodom. I'm going to destroy the place, but I'm going to fact check. So he sent two angels and they went there. They spent the night at Lord's place and to the Lord's shock, the whole city came that night and they want to have homosexual relations with the two angels. They told Lot, bring the two men that we may know them carnally. This is enough evidence now. So God said, look, now there's no other room. I have come to fact check it. You see, even God said, I will come and fact check. The second case of fact checking things is Joshua chapter 22, verses 10 to 34. It's a very long chapter, but I'm not going to read all. I will tell you what is there. See, before Israel entered the promised land, the Bible says that the two and a half tribes, that is the tribe of Reuben and the tribe of God, and half of the tribe of Manasseh, they fought and took Gilead, which was asked to go and return back to this place, which is beyond the Jordan, so that you will now inhabit it. So it was a deal. After Israel and Joshua had then conquered the promised land and got the place, the Bible says that then they were asked to go back to where they were originally supposed to, to inhabit or to occupy. And the Bible says when they went, they were told that there was rumor, there was news now that the people who had gone to the other side, the two and a half tribes, they have erected an altar. And so news came that they have raised an altar. And so it is seen as idolatry or challenging the true Levites who must be serving at God's altar. They said it was a very high altar that if you stand anywhere, you will see it. And so news came. And when Israel had it and the leaders had it, the Levites and all the people came together to go and fight against two and a half tribes and destroy them because they are clearly seen to be attacking God's order and also trying to raise priests of themselves and also trying to serve an idol because their true altar is in the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Bible says before Israel could strike at their brothers, the nine half tribes were going to attack the two and a half tribes because they saw something. It looks, it's evidence, but there must always be the investigation and fact checking. There is always a truth behind the evidence that is being presented. And the Bible said, Phineas led the team that went to fact check before they declare war. And the Bible says when they went to meet the leaders of the two and a half tribes on the other side of the Jordan, and they asked them, why have you made this altar? When God has given to us the Ark of Covenant and the true priests from the tribe of Levi, you are not Levites. You are from Gad and Reuben and Manasseh. There is no Levite among you. You don't serve at an altar. So why have you made this? We are angry. You have breaking the law of God and they accuse them. And then the leaders of the two and a half tribes calmed them down and said, we are not worshiping any gods here. We only build this here because the river Jordan is separating us and you. So that one day when our children are born, and one day after we, the fathers, had died, and your descendants say they don't have relation with them, they will tell them, come and see the altar that we have here. It's similar to what you have in your temple. We are the same family. This is the only motive. Every year, we will cross the Jordan and come and worship where God's ordained Levites are. 
So when they went to find out, then Finney has made a profound statement, which I want to um, read to you. But he said that, you see, he said, now you have delivered us from the hands of the Lord. From the, that means if we had come to attack you, the Lord would have dealt with us. Because it is based on false accusation. We saw the altar all right. But the reason for that evidence is not what we were told. And that is why it's very important that as believers also, when someone leaves a church and they call you and they are telling you things, ask them hard questions. Interrogate what they are saying. And push them. Push them to make sure you find the truth so you don't believe a lie. Because people's intentions are wicked. Now it is on this second aspect where the motive of wanting to relate with members of the church, which you have left, will be the basis by which the church may be warned not to relate with you when evidence clearly shows. Please listen to these words carefully. If and when there is evidence to show that the motive for that relationship is to slander the church and draw people out of the place. The Bible says that um, in Romans chapter 16, Romans 16, 17 to 18, it says, Now I urge you, brothers, to note or to take note of those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine that you have learned and avoid them. So this is New Testament. Church was told to avoid some people because they cause divisions. They cause offenses. And so it is biblical to do that on the conditions I have mentioned. But under the normal circumstances, there shouldn't have been any problem. That's people who leave a church and you can relate with them. But the problem is that it's always the case that just like where we have worked for, where did you first meet? Church. So when you meet that person who has left the church, what do you think, be honest, practically, what is going to be the center of the discussion? The place. So if the person is offended, then of course the conversation is not going to be the well-being of the place that was left, but something evil, something sinister, something to draw people away based on lies. And that is where the danger lies. If that occurs and there is clear sign that that will occur, then it is not wrong, it is not unchristian, it is not unbiblical for the church to warn people not to relate you can say good morning, but I'm talking about depth of relationship and the kind of conversation that if you meet and the conversation is going to go about our church or your church, then you stop the conversation. Say, look, you have left the place. This is not a discussion. Can we talk about Brexit? We talk about politics. We talk about education and we talk about all other things, but not my pastor and not my church. If we are happy to proceed on that relationship, Praise the Lord. There are also incidents where genuinely what is being practiced in that church A is clearly unbiblical, clearly unscriptural. People have talked about it. Nobody is changing. Pastor is still hard on his position. You know, it is becoming more dangerous than Christian. So many other things. Then if only what you are saying is the truth to deliver people from a place, then why not? If they are killing people there and you leave, and you have evidence they are killing people. And you tell people, be careful here, they'll kill you. So long as is the truth. Because re remember, God, Satan, and your conscience knows your true reason for relating with people in the church you left. 
I think I'll end it here. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. Uh, when a question has no yes and, you know, in between, it means that you have to really take particular care of what it is. Bishop has made us to be aware that we have to what, check our facts, make sure we have the evidence, be objective. So we're going to move on. Uh, we will leave it here. Um, most of the questions coming in, interestingly, are about leaving the church. I think that is what is <laughs> plaguing most churches now. Mm. Maybe to follow on quickly, yeah. I know you answered some parts. They are saying, what about if we knew the person before we joined your church mm. and then one leaves? Do we still now say because the church has now become a, a separating uh, object in our, which do we still relate well, yes. Uh, well, that, that's, that's a very good practical question as well. And that is back to what I said. Fine. If we first met in church, definitely we will talk about church. Yeah. If you have left, we knew ourselves before we met. We can still carry on our conversation and our relationship. The bottom line is we don't discuss the church. Because if the reason for leaving is, is not right, you have evil intentions against the church. You be honest with yourself. You, you don't wish that church well. You wish that church fails. You wish everybody leaves the place. So if you meet me and I knew you before we all found ourselves in that church and you have left and I meet you, that church dance doesn't become a subject. That, that should be a clear line defined in the relationship. You know, that, that is the important thing. So yes, we will relate. But my point is, what is the basis? What is the motive? If it's about telling me evil things about where I believe is the right place for me, then you are disturbing the relationship. And that is where, if that evidence is also there, you have to make the choice, you know, as to, do I want to still relate based on this? Can we not talk about any other thing except this place? This is where I've chosen to be. Leave me alone there. Let's relate. I can relate with you on all other levels, but if it comes to discussing the shortcomings of the church, the pastor, and slander, and things then. And if you are relating with such a person, be a Christian again. Whatever the person comes up with, be that tough interrogator. Don't just listen to hearsay. Make sure the person is proving beyond reasonable doubt the evidence they claim. Thank you. Thank you. I hope we are all learning and being blessed by such practical things. You know, when you hear the word, it's very different from when you actually have to do it and come in between such. Uh, problems you know mm -hmm. yes uh, let's move on to the next question uh, this is bishop it says if someone leaves the church mm -hmm. again you know on the same premise <laughs> of leaving the church it goes to another church if the person invites you to mm -hmm. a program like a wedding or a, to come and perform there if you're uh, an, an anointed psalmist or something and mm -hmm. uh, is it is it okay to go right okay <laughs> again it's a yes and a no depending <laughs> on the circumstances yeah. you see that i said most people don't speak the truth when they leave church they don't that is where the danger lies mm -hmm. you know if you come to tell me that oh it's a domestic issue um, your your spouse doesn't feel comfortable in this church and so you want to locate to church b this is what you told leadership there you go and then the next thing is every other person you relate to or invite to that program and we say, okay, you can go. And they come and now you meet them at the corner or on the telephone and tell them, oh, actually, the real reason why I left. What did they tell you? Oh, don't mind them. It's a lie. They say, man, he's a wicked man. He's a devil. He's this, that, that, that. You see, you are now speaking two things. And that makes it dangerous for any responsible pastor to release his flock 
into your territory. Because if they release them there, you may contaminate them. And therefore, it becomes risky. Now, we don't want to be simplistic anymore. The scripture tells us that evil company corrupts good manners. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So this again is, is a basis. First, so when the scripture says, warn them. You know, let me, I didn't finish reading that scripture. Let me, let me finish it for you. Let me finish it for you. In fact, it says, it says, I urge you, brethren, Romans 16, 17 to 18. I only touched the first part. Take note of those who cause divisions. Say so we are supposed to take note of them. That means you can't be blind in relationship. They cause division and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. The scripture says avoid them. It's a prescription. It's not a suggestion. For those people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ. If what you are saying about that church is not true, then you are serving your own self because your, your desire was not met. Whatever your ambitions were were not met and you are offended. So your aim is to tear the place down. The Bible says you are not serving the Lord Jesus Christ, but you are serving your own belly. And by smooth words and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the simple-minded. Paul teaches this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says there's nothing new under the heavens. Whatever you see today, they have happened before. That is why Paul was giving such practical teaching that he's the one, he preaches love. So don't misinterpret the love to say, oh, they are not showing love here. They said they, they, they won't let the person come and minister. Would you let them be free? Would you let them just minister and go without influencing them negatively? These are the important questions. And that's why the Bible says also in 1533, 1 Corinthians, do not be deceived. Evil company will corrupt your good manners. You have good behavior. You have good conduct. If you meet the wrong set of people, they will corrupt you. For instance, maybe you are brought up in a home that you have been taught, don't walk out on anybody. And then you see that because you, and you know that, okay, I'm not happy in this church. Uh, somebody has told me something. Okay, for me, the training I received was that I need to go and check it out. I need to either call the pastor, the pastor's wife, or any other pastor in the place and check what I'm hearing. Okay, that is what I've been trained to do. This is what my parents taught me. I'm coming from a good home. I've got this ethics. I've also come to church. I've been taught all these things. And then I also know that I can't just leave church and walk out like that. When I came in, I was received not only with a welcome, but I knelt down. Prayer was said over me. Ceremony was held to formally receive me. If I'm leaving, I must leave also ceremoniously. But then if I join another company, they'll tell him, oh, don't mind him. Don't say goodbye. Look, just leave. And you have people who had good, proper training, but because they mixed up with the wrong set of people, they also start behaving like that. Walk out of the church as if the pastor, they just discovered he's a witch. And then the danger is that sometime later, you meet this pastor in town at a ceremony or anything. They say, oh, hello, pastor. Come on, hold on, which pastor? You see, this is, the way, this is where if the pastor shuns you, say, oh, he's not matured enough. Were you matured when you left without informing him? Were you Christian enough when you left without telling him? Then when you meet him in town, you want to shake his hands. If he doesn't take your hands, yeah, because he has also suddenly woken up to realize that just like you discovered he was a monster and you ran away, he has also discovered you are dangerous, he can't take your hand. So you can't say he's not being matured. Were you matured? Answer that question. So these are very practical things that we have to bear in mind. So if someone invites someone, it depends on how they left. 
Do we trust the place that I can release my member to the place? That is a very important thing. So that you don't stay behind the scenes and start controlling the members. Because we have also seen it in some places where nicely say, oh, no problem. We can let two or three come and minister the program. And the next time they minister, you call them behind, give them 50 pounds each and say, oh, they can come next week. You see, so now the mother church has its own programs. And now these ones are saying, oh, they have a program at your end. And every time they have a program, now they are not coming to Reza, they have a program. And gradually, you are using money to lure them or to now start telling them, you see that they are not giving, you see that I'm giving you money. When you were there, don't you, you were just playing free. You're doing all these things free. That's what they do. It's only him and his wife and his children who are enjoying the money. You know, and this, and then, you know, and, and that is again the deception. And when you have experience in ministry, you protect your flock. And that is why you start seeing some of these things in the body. The body should have been one. The body should be loving. If somebody lives properly, we shouldn't cut relationship. But if the motive for wanting to relate is to lure people by deception, slander, and character assassination, then we have to protect the flock. And that is where these other bits of the scriptures come into the picture. Thank you. Thank you, Bishop. I hope you are all enjoying as I am doing here. Yes. Uh, you know, we are... Before, before we move on, the bishop was talking about, um, you know, how we are trained, how we live, which is very important. But there are some questions around that. But before we go there, we'll still stick to leaving the church. So somebody saying if... Are there people hearing somebody saying there's no sound? It's a low if, sound. Then raise the sound. <laughs> if... The person is saying if your parents mm. leave the church... Mm. Disrespect, disrespectfully mm. have an argument they leave the church and you are a youth mm. what are you supposed to do are you supposed to bang with your parents knowing well that your parents are not doing the right thing or you're supposed to stay as a youth <laughs> okay another very good practical question the issue is that see when you are a child like a baby or you know anyone who is I, I believe that anyone above 13 years um, is, can reason enough and um, can follow right thinking and procedure. And so the Bible says, obey your parents in the Lord. So the question is if they are, so the word of God is law and the servants of God therefore become spokesmen of God with intelligence of interpreting the scriptures, which is the law properly. Now, so that is the technical side of the law. Are, are they living the church in the Lord? That is in the way of the Lord, in the word of the Lord. If we say no, then you have to make a judgment. Because this comes to service of God. Because if you know that your parents are wrong, and you know that their motive is not right, and you know that they are, what they are saying is not true, and you, you, you are a teenager, follow what scripture says. Follow your heart. I mean... I know that it will bring a big rift in the house, but there are people that your parents respect. You can go and report to them. You can draw their attention. Again, you are being Christian because the Bible says the Christian, Jesus said, must go to the person where I'm not happy with. So here you are, you are convinced that your church, where you all are, you are looking at the facts. You too, you are hearing because you are in the house. You can hear and you can hear what they are saying and you can match it to what is the truth. And you don't feel convinced that your parents have done the right thing as far as the word of God is concerned. 
you have to actually call in witnesses. First, you raise it to your parents respectfully to say, Mom and Dad, I don't agree with this. And you to ask them the hard questions to produce the evidence. They may not be happy. Sometimes in their anger, they will shout at you depending on which background they come from. But that is not the end. If you are resolved and you believe that that is the right thing, call in the uncles, call in the aunties, and let them sit down and raise the matter to say, as far as you are concerned, this is important. Now, the reason why I'm sharing this with you is that let us not forget that whatever we do, the church does not belong to the pastor you are offended with. It belongs to God who is really with him there. If that church has survived more than five years, you have to know it is not just an ordinary institution. There is God there. And if you mess things up, judgment will fall. The pastor doesn't need to utter anything. Judgment will fall. And when judgment falls, please, again, be a Christian and watch how this God we are serving operates. He visits iniquities of fathers upon third and fourth generation. He visits iniquities upon the fathers upon the third and fourth generation. That means that if I don't fight for my position, my parents' misbehavior can bring judgment to me. So you draw the attention to the mom and dad, don't, don't do this. And then when the judgment comes, it affects your children. Okay, Ahab did something wrong. God comes and says, okay, he looks sorry now, but I'll do it in the days of his children. David messes up, the thing affects his children. So we need to be very careful that we are dealing with deity. We are dealing with God. The Bible says that you may know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. The church of the living God. So it's not just some Pastor John's church or some Pastor Michael's church. God is there. And that's where we need to be very careful how we operate these things and what we seek to do. The Bible tells us the scripture I shared on last Sunday that every one of us should be careful how we build upon the foundation that is laid. For everyone's work, we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ and we will be just. So if you say you're a Christian, and you have a very unique ministry of tearing down a church. You, one day you, are, you stand before God. He says some of them, the work will be gold, silver, stones, wood, straw. So that type of work is beyond straw. I don't know how you are going to stand before the Lord to be judged. So let's be mindful. Let's be fearing of God. Let's be God-fearing as we operate. We may not be happy. Let's follow the thing. And what I'm seeing is that there is so much indiscipline in the body of Christ today. Some of the behaviors people put up when they leave church, they won't dare do it at a shrine. At a fetish shrine, you won't do it. That means that you fear the devil more than God. And it tells on you. It tells on that person. Would, would, you, would you be ushering at a shrine and decide that you have left? Would you dare? You won't call the chief priest for them to finish the rituals before you leave. <laughs> you, you won't even dare. You wouldn't dare. Why? Because you're afraid of Satan, demons, who may come and kill you. And you think God is going to strike in those things. No, please, check the New Testament. I won't bother you with Old Testament. Check the New Testament properly. You will see quite a lot of that. And that is one of the examples that Paul was, was admonishing us. So we need to be very mindful of these things. That when it comes to that situation where you have a teenager in that situation, teenager, stand your right. Stand your ground. Not disrespectfully. You still be a Christian. Honor mom and dad. Bible says, but in the Lord, 
Check it out. Because when, when it says obey father and mother, that's why the Bible says in the Lord. Because if your father tells you to go and kill, is it in the Lord? No, you can't kill. You know, so that, that one, you have to refuse it politely under the name of Jesus Christ and by the word of God. So, because you have to bear in mind, their misconduct can bring judgment on you. You need to defend yourself. So that whatever be the case, even you are forced, finally, to still stay with them, heaven will look on your righteous act that your heart was not with the thing. And God will know how to skip you in the judgment. A follow-on question saying that you know somebody age 13 you, you still live with your parents they still have majority control yes. <laughs> so um if if they are wielding all their powers to to keep you what's what then do you do i think you've just yeah, touched exactly. a little you, bit you say it, but you can tell you know it's like when you you know when a child is innocent or stubborn and you tell the child to kneel down he can be kneeling, but he's standing inside. He's, he's standing, you know. So, <laughs> you know, and it's the way he has even found his face. You can tell that he's, he's kneeling because you are so powerful. You are, you are stronger than him. You, you can bully him and he's so defenseless, so he will kneel. But as he's kneeling, his soul and spirit, they are standing. He's fully standing. He's not kneeling. And, and that is the thing. So when, when you are forced beyond anything you can do, you know, heaven knows you have played your part. Yes, yes. And God knows how to exempt you from judgment. Whatever we do, let's be sure that we are not sowing a seed that we will reap later on. Thank you, thank you, Bishop. You know, there's another follow-on on leaving the church. You know, this is um, this one is very quickly. He says, "Oh, if a disrespectful pastor leaves and." He leaves obviously on a bad note and forms his own church. And then he uses the argument that um, the folk are his, uh, his, his you know, they, those are the people he also know. So they, they are also his community. So he's inviting his community to church. Is that right? So he's tapping your members using the excuse that, you know, these are people we all know together. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, where did he first know them? <laughs> in, in the church in which he or she left? The, the question is not clear. So we will assume both in the church and then, yeah, but then I'm assuming it will probably be in the church and then in the community. Yeah, again, I mean, you see, this is where the question comes in as to what is the nature of the call. Mm -hmm. You see, God does not call for you to tear another place. That's right. So if he called you, you see, that's why last week I think there was a question to that effect. And mm -hmm. I said that the question, the call to go and start in quotes, my own church is very rare. Mm -hmm. Anytime that really happens, it must be a new pathway that doesn't resemble anything from where you left. Because then that God is assigning you to a new apostolic mandate with a particular message to the body of Christ that maybe should have been emphasized in some time ago and God has given that person a long time is not emphasizing it so God is bringing a new wave into the the church and that must be different but if you are going to leave you said God said you should go and start something and all the people God had in mind are the people in the church who already have a pastor then then that becomes um wrong you know when I shared my testimony with you last week about how I was released I mentioned that when I was finally released in that, by that revelation, there 
I, I took a lot of my cousins. I got them born again and sent them to, to that church. And when it became obvious that this is what God has for me, because senior pastor has come to say, he's seen me as a tree, a mighty tree, growing outside his compound, the four walls of his compound. I'm growing outside. He's seen it three times. He would like to keep me. Emotionally, he looked at the gift and everything. But he believes I should live here before I become a pastor. And it's fine. When I started what we call the Holy Ghost Center, which has now become Christ Church International, my cousins came. Said, but you took us there. So if we are now seeing clearly that you have been released to go, we want to come with you. I told each and every one of them, I am not your pastor. Your pastor is there. I took you there. He is your pastor. I'm called to take off in a different direction. None of them, none of them. My cousin that I took to that church, none of them came with me. And I was not offended because I spoke to each and every one of them and told them, I took you there, you stay there. Don't sow seeds that you have to painfully reap in the future. If you believe God called you, I can't find any place in scripture that says you should put the people here to come there. Go and start your own. Start it from scratch and let it grow. I believe that is the ethical thing to do. If you left properly under normal circumstances, that's where the danger is. If, if your heart is right and the truth is that the confirmation is clear that this is a calling from God. This is going to be distinct from here and all of that. And there's a proper send of done, hands laid on you and you sent away. The church that you are living can even provide support for you as long as until you are on your own and you can grow. Those things are done. We do it for others who are not even, you know, our churches. But just because I, man I mentor those churches. So you support them. And so that is how under normal circumstances this should be. But whenever there is the hint of malice, you know, you've seen pastors come and say, God said I should leave. And then later we hear them saying some other things. And you ask yourself, really? What I was told in my office is totally different from what the congregation were being told. And then you get confused. So now you want to touch or you shouldn't touch. Even the original heart of goodwill that you had, suddenly you have to be careful now because you are not sure. You know, and it happens to a lot of senior pastors. So the point is that let's follow the ethics. I believe that if someone says God has called them to leave, uh, I don't think you should be fishing from the same pond, you know, because of that danger, you know, that, because it's, it's confusing. At, at one point, who, who is their pastor? You know, <laughs> We're moving on to the uh, cyber world. Somebody <laughs> is, is asking if somebody leaves the church questionably and subsequently starts uh, an online ministry and starts sharing and things, you know, so he's online, he's also preaching and doing things. Uh, and you see your members liking and commenting and almost very engaged with that. Um, uh, is it first, is that right? That's, this is a loaded question. And then secondly, should they call the person to tell the person to stop? And if they did so, is that a sabotage of work? So sorry, this is a really Herculean question put <laughs> together. So yes. <laughs> I don't know whether I should repeat again or yes, you have... because I'm seeing three parts of the question. Yes, there's three parts of the question. Yes. So the person has started an online ministry. Right. And we are clearly seeing that some of our members are very engaged there, you know. So um, it might be the 
the the content there may we know maybe it's not right but then we see people are you know going there and secondly should members who feel like he's not sharing the correct message should we call him and say oh hey and say what you're doing is not right can you stop and the third question is linked to the second one saying that if they did so is that a sabotage of god's work okay Okay, so my, I want to understand the second question in the question. That's right. The second question is saying, who will do the call? Is so, it so, the, yes. the members of the church? The members of the church who, who believe, have seen other... Who, have, who believe that what he's doing is not the right way, is, right. is not doctrinally correct, right. and it's, it's, it's a spiritual error, mm-hmm. and they are trying to advise the person, you know, this is not correct, you need to stop. But then again, he is going in the name of... Christ, so that means are we then sabotaging Christ? <laughs> okay, I think that the 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 question says that if someone leaves the church questionably, so at this stage the person has left. You see, so then members of the church can't call him. You know, leaders of the church can't call him That's right. because we don't have any jurisdiction over that person mm-hmm. because he has left that local church. That's right. Um, even though. Again, under normal circumstances, you know, pastors are not just called to the body, to the particular church. They are called to the body of Christ. You know, for instance, an apostolic calling is to the body of Christ. So it means that you can correct things anywhere. But in, for the purpose of our discussion, in terms of the local church, if the person has already left, if the person hasn't left and is online doing this, we'll call the person to order which I mentioned last week, that number one, if you are doctrinal in error, people will think that's what we also teach. So the doctrine informs practices. So before you start telling people the Holy Ghost said they can drink some disinfectant and bleach so that coronavirus will, be, will, will, will disappear, uh, then, then, then uh, the name of the church is being brought into disrepute. And so that is why we will act. Now, but if the person had left, and it's now doing some things there. That's why we said, okay, proper living is also key. So that there must be confirmations. Because you came from, let's say, church A. And you are doing what you are doing there. All the things you are preaching, people will assume that is what is taught at the church you left. So it's not good for the image of the church. That's why there's always that sort of, you know, uh, approach to try to be sure. Did you hear well? Are you sure? You know, and all of that. But all that is said and done. If the person had left... Questionably also, so again, then that's not a good ground. And members of the church or other leadership sees that what the person is doing is not right, and you know that from the biblical context it's not right, the person has also not left properly, then there are, there's an issue and a strong argument here. And the concern, therefore, is when you see your members liking, sharing, connecting, then you have to watch out. Because number one, they may be doing so out of ignorance because probably the person's departure has not been announced to them. So they might still think that the person is still around. And that's why the church must make sure that they send the information that this person is no longer with us. Because again, it's even wrong. Because the moment you see that happening online, then that means that anybody again in church can also go online and start preaching. So there will be disorder in the house. But if the person has left based on this basis and then members of the church are liking and commenting and things. See, on one hand, if there's nothing wrong and motive is fine, no problem. But if there's error and then you are liking, see, it's dangerous because you yourself, what do you understand of the word? That you are liking what is going on there. 
Okay, how do you press like for what you heard? Does it match scripture? You know, because you can't be, for instance, in a church which has a very strong and clear teaching anointing on and commit such blunders in ministry. So you can't like something when the statement is, is talking about Aquila and Priscilla being the, the children of Paul, you know, in terms of his twin ch- children. You, can't, you cannot like something like that. You can't like that. Now, so then it comes to the same because it is social media interaction. It starts from there, but then we can go into inbox and now invite you to something which is not on social media, but the Lord is saying that we should have a prayer meeting uh, at, uh, at some place. So now the member who is liking is now going to follow this to that place. You never know what they are going to hear and anything can happen. You know, some years ago, so many years ago, um, I think it's a long time. One of my cousins, he was one of those that I got born again. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He was so zealous, but very new. He was like Apollos, very new. And we had to go to evangelism. When we were paired up to go to evangelism, unfortunately, unfortunately that day, I don't know why I didn't pay attention. I wasn't the leader of the group that did the pairing. But the leader of the group that did the pairing, unfortunately, paired my cousin with another new person. You can't send two novices to evangelism. You have sent them to the front lines of the battle. And they went to meet some guy who believed some strange doctrine, some church. They have a church. They, they believe in some strange doctrine. They don't believe in watching TV. They don't believe in wearing earrings. They don't believe in... In so many things, you know, putting on a watch, they don't watch TV and all of that. And they don't also believe in the Holy Ghost baptism. And they met my cousin and this guy. And they pumped some doctrines into them. From that evening up to today, my cousin has not been the same. He has not been that Christian. He backslided and he's backslided. We have done everything we could. He's, he's gone. I'm talking about over 30 years ago. Over 30 years ago, he started drinking. There's no God. You know, these tongues is lie. Meanwhile, he spoke in tongues. You see, so it's very dangerous to release your lamps into the hands of someone in error. And social media has become very rife. The person lives properly, you know, this is sound. We are not saying don't listen to other ministers. No, we encourage you, you can listen. But if especially we are very sure that this one is not right, then our members who are liking and commenting, you have to be careful and watch it. Because this is how it starts. It starts innocently, but it ends in disaster. And you, your eternal destiny is very important. We can't say that, oh, we only, only our members should stay in our church. They don't attend programs anywhere. No, our members will attend programs anywhere. So long as it doesn't clash with church program and prolong as where they are going, you know, the doctrine and everything is fine. We don't mind you going to musical concerts, all those things. It's proper to do all of those things. It enriches the body. It grows the people. It gives them foresight, insight, and exposure. You know, but when we see danger, it is the duty of every responsible shepherd to take the rod of the shepherd and keep the flock away from the foxes and wolves. Paul one day said, I know that after my departure, Grievous wolves will enter the flock. It's not talking about real animals. It's a figurative expression of people who also profess the faith, but their intention is to draw people away from the faith. Paul said that some people have crept in unawares to spy on our liberty. So, you know, there are motives 
why people come around or want to relate again after they had left or people who are doing some other things, you need to watch out. If they are fine, no problem. I mean, I'm on Facebook. Some of my pastor friends, I have found out that most, some of my members in our church are also friends of them because they realize they are my friends. I haven't said they should not stop. They should stop doing that. Do you understand? So we are mutual friends of my friends. And I believe that my members ask them for friendship because they believe they are my friends. You see how these things work. So if, if, if assuming they become wrong people, then I've, I've sold my people. That's true. Yes. Thank you, Bishop. This is really deep. <laughs> it's very edifying, you know, to get practical teachings about what we do daily and we mm. sometimes don't think, even think about it. Yes, uh, we are still on social media. But maybe I didn't ask the last, it, it, it's uh, answer, it says, would, would it be classified as sabotage? Sabotage, that's correct. Of God's work. Yes. Okay. If the person is doing what is right in the sight of God, you know, in terms of the person has left properly and all of those things, and what they are teaching is doctrinally sound, then, you know, there's nothing. But if what is going on there is not right, and you warn people not to associate with it, then we are not sabotaging any work. You know, because what is going on is not, it's not really the doctrine of Christ. Yeah. If it's yeah, somebody was even saying, you know, sometimes we idolize our church so much, mm. but we should, you know, enjoy the body of Christ. Yes. But uh, that's exactly what you you have answered. Now we we will move on to ethics on uh, on social media. Okay. Ethics on social media. Uh, I think that is now the order of the day. So um, the question is saying, if someone leaves the church, <laughs> social media and communication platforms. Okay. And, uh, you know, obviously that means he just left, you know, so he didn't say anything to anybody. He just left, left, left. Do you have the <laughs> right to call them and ask them, why have you left? Or you have to wait for the church to tell you or to announce the reason why they have left. Mm. Okay. Now, so, yeah, so the question is, do you, do you, can you just call them? instantly and ask them why have you left the platform or do you have to wait for the church to come back and say okay this person has left the church and that's why he has signed himself or herself out of the um, platforms yes okay again you see let's go back to being christians see no matter how angry you get and you are not happy with anything the bible tells us to be christians a christian is a practitioner of christ you must be full of the Holy Spirit. And then the gifts of the Holy Spirit is one aspect. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is another aspect. The fruit of the Holy Spirit teaches us character. It brings out the proper character in us. The gift of the Spirit shows charisma, the giftings, our abilities and talents and gifts that God has given to us. That is charisma. Charisma must match character. So no matter how gifted you are, how powerful you can preach, maybe you are the prince of preachers and princess of preachers, you have become very powerful. Now when you preach, people fall down under the anointing and all of that. You must match that with character. That is why the gifts of the Spirit are nine. And if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, they are also nine. They are paired together to match. There is no disjoint. It means that your character must be matching the charisma and that puts you as a whole christian maturing and flowing together 
if you have gifts and you don't have character, you cut short yourself in ministry. Now, having served this present, um, you know, premise or preamble to answer the question, a Christian who has proper behavior and conduct must not walk out on others. Probably you don't understand that social media, for instance, if we are on WhatsApp platform, there are ethics for operating on the WhatsApp platform. The WhatsApp platform is a virtual meeting place. So it's a meeting place. Okay. When you sign yourself out, it is the same as walking out, shutting the door, walk out on people or walk on, you know, on people. You just walk out. We don't do that. If you're in a room with people in a meeting, you just walk out. It's rude. It's disrespectful. It doesn't matter how upset you are with what is happening. You stay and deal with it, but you don't walk out. Number two, you didn't put yourself on the platform. You were put there on the platform. Leadership instructed every member to be put on the platform for the purpose of communication and fellowship and communion. So when you are leaving, it will be respectful to let leadership know. They will sign you out nicely. But when you sign yourself out, it is rude, it is unchristian, it is improper. Now, it is similar, that's why you must learn the ethics. For instance, on social media or, you know, e-writing, when you're writing on the internet or writing letters, typing things. You know, when you write all out in capitals, it's seen as rude. You are shouting. It's seen as shouting. So if you don't know these things, please learn these things. Because you're on the platform with enlightened people who know these things. That when you write all out in capitals, it means you are shouting. So you write using sentence case. Then you are communicating in a gentle tone. So you don't write all out in capitals. If you introduce exclamation marks, then you are not even shouting. You are screaming. <laughs> and you learn. I mean, I remember in university, in one of my, I mean, you know, when we were growing up, there were no computers to start with. So when we started seeing computers and typing, and now we are supposed to type our, uh, you know, coursework and things. I, I typed all out in capitals. Everybody was giving feedback. Mine was not coming. <laughs> so I, I, I called professor. He said, I was waiting for you. Come to my office. He said, you were shouting. So I refused to mark it. And you have to learn. Were you not taught these things before? We, we taught you basic word. And, I mean, those are MS-DOS. You have to learn MS-DOS and do those things. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that you have to learn the etiquette of social media engagement. Signing out of a platform without proper information to the leadership or even to the administrator is rude and disrespectful and it tells on your character. You are not supposed to do that. So if you sign yourself out like that, why do you expect anybody to follow you up? You have rudely walked out. However, we also need to be mindful here that there are certain situations where those on the platform may see James Hansinsaki left. And it's true that I haven't signed myself out. What has happened is that I may have mistakenly, sometimes it's not that you even knew, but you, know, you may have gotten a new phone or find yourself in another country. You put a new SIM card in and then WhatsApp comes to tell you, this is a yes or no. Me, you say yes to everything. So I just said yes. <laughs> I just want to get a thing working so I can make my call. So I said yes. You know, and then after three months or so, my sister called me one day 
I mean, we are on the same old students platform. And she said, but why have you left the platform? Are you angry about something somebody said? I said, no, I haven't signed myself out. He said, you have signed yourself out. So at least the executive asked me to check with you. Why are you unhappy? I said, no, I haven't done anything. Then I realized that, no, because I traveled, I said yes to something. Say, what's up, something has changed? Something. I said yes. <laughs> so sometimes people change their number, and they didn't know that it assigned them out of various platforms. But it's not. So that has to be investigated. When that happens, the, the first thing to do is that the administrator on the page must alert leadership. See, don't go after first check with leadership. Maybe leadership knew something you don't know. So they will immediately tell you, oh, they have left. Or leaders, you know, that we haven't heard anything. So give the person a call and check up on the person as to why they have signed. You may find out that they didn't know that they have signed themselves out. On the other hand, those who are not happy or, you know, are set in their own ways and won't follow procedure, won't follow order, won't follow ethics, suddenly out of their anger, sign yourself out. It tells on you. It's bad behavior. You have walked out on people. So when you meet me in town and you want to greet me, I'm very careful of you. Because you walked out on me. And I don't see how you walk out on me virtually and physically. You want to shake my hands. It doesn't work that way. And don't be more Christian than me. When Jesus got to know the Jews wanted to kill him, the Bible says he did not walk openly among the Jews. Is he not God? He separated himself. He was careful of them. So... It's very important that we learn to balance this thing very well. But if the person signed themselves out, the question is, is it right to call them and ask them why they have left? First of all, under normal circumstances, check with leadership. Leadership is supposed to inform the congregation, depend on who the person is and what their status is within the church. Leadership will inform leadership that A and B has left. And this is what happened or this is what happened. We don't even know. They have just left. We try to read them. They are not responding. Blah. Or they give X and Y, Z reason. We try to reason with them. They won't listen. They're just gone. So we make you aware. Okay. So when you become aware, it's always very important that church informs the members first. Because when you call them, they may tell you something they didn't tell church. Especially when there's offense. And in most cases, there is offense. So you say, oh yeah, I'm gone. But you, at the right time, I will, I will tell you. But you be careful where you are. Be careful where you are. You know, the moment they start sounding these things, you know that it's, it's not right. So, again, it's important that we still have to. It says, do you have to wait for the church to announce, to inform? And what if such announcement doesn't come from the church? Do you just wait and do nothing? Under normal circumstances, it should come. But if you have any concerns, call the leadership of the church first. Maybe they have told the leaders and they are waiting for one or two before they confirm to the whole church. So that we are not seen to have jumped the gun at the wrong time. But with experience, I have learned that there must not be any delay about it. As soon as it happens, let the whole church know. Once we get to know why the people have left or the person has left, inform the rest. If they sign themselves out. So when you are leaving, you know, do the proper thing. Follow the ethics of the house. Follow the exit etiquette of the church. You are taught that at New Life School. In our church, we teach exit etiquette when you finish our membership class. And when you come for orientation, you are taught all of this. And it's common sense that when you are coming in, you will receive nicely. If you are leaving, why don't you leave nicely? Nobody can keep you against your will. Nobody will keep you against your will. Nobody is going to detain you. This is not communist North Korea. Nobody is going to detain you in the church. 
Nobody can do that. But it's proper that you live properly so that when we meet at Tesco, we can smile and say good morning and move on. It's important because we are supposed to be in heaven together. Abby? Yeah. So make sure that we are living properly. And so you call. Once you check with leadership, and then you can also verify. But sometimes we, we discourage that verification because of the fact that they may lie. But with experience, we don't worry. We will tell you why they have left. If you call them and they tell you A, B, C, D, interrogate them. Interrogate them. If it sounds different from what the church tells you, come back and let the church know that, church, you may be lying. She said you stole 200 million. And that is the reason why she left. You told us, she said, God said she should go. So we are confused. We will present evidence and make sure that everybody gets the truth of the matter. We shouldn't live with suspicions of each other. It's not healthy. We must be Christians. So this is my answer to that question. Amen. Amen. We, we have learned, you know, things you didn't know. Shouting on, 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 on online, you know. <laughs> We should all take notice. And Bishop, maybe a, a top-up question. The same, is it, is it compulsory that we respond to information given us on WhatsApp platforms or, or other, you know, they post a message, they post your, should we say anything or we should just watch it and go away? <laughs> Again, that's good. Again, back to the ethics. You see, realize that the church, the world is evolving. And so we are meeting more online. You see, people are meeting online. That's where people meet. If you see people holding their phones, it's just something is going on online. That's where people now gather. People rarely now gather. You know, we don't gather under trees anymore. So back in Africa, under the Iroko tree, under the Neem tree, and under the coconut tree, where some people were proposed to, things like that. Some people's love story starts from the coconut tree near the beach. People don't gather under the coconut tree anymore. They gather online. So we transport the same things that we do when we meet physically, that is what is happening online. Understand the boundaries and the rules there. So when we come online, just like I've said, capitals, you're shouting this. Again, an information is put there. It's the same thing as somebody actually speaking to you at a meeting or we've all gathered under that tree and said, this is a message coming from the senior pastor. I mean, don't we respond? We're supposed to respond. So if an information is put out there, acknowledge it. Even if you can't type. Now there are emojis to help you. Give it a thumbs up. Things have changed. Where we come from, thumbs up is not... Uh, <laughs> you have to know which one, <laughs> which one you are actually communicating. You don't do that to the above 60s. <laughs> uh, it's a different thumbs up. So you have to make sure. But these things are there. The smile is there. The approval is there. You know, you must acknowledge it. Is proper ethical behavior, good behavior. Huh? People, 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 let's be. Let, and like it, like it. Make noise about it. Be excited about it. Comment and listen to the information. It may not be the preaching of the pastor, but an announcement has come. Acknowledge the announcement. But then he's just watching it. But, so it's the same thing as we are in a meeting and someone has spoken and nobody saying anything. Everyone is quiet. We are confused. Whether you are happy with the information that has been put there or not. You know, and some of the needless offenses had also bothered on, you know, again, church platforms. Christians must know better. You see, don't just forward things on the place. And when you are called and corrected, you get angry and sign yourself out. 
is rude. Because, listen, it, these things, things have changed. That's why you need to be very, very mindful. These are all publications now. It's not only the Daily Standard or Ghanaian Times that you know, literal paper. No, anything you type online, you have published anything. And you can be sued on that. The current law is that the administrator, the admin of the WhatsApp page will be directly held responsible. So if you send a video that says Coca-Cola has got HIV in it, you need to be careful because it's libel. It's slanderous against a company. You will be sued. You will be shocked. And it will be millions of damages because that is loss of income for them. Please, these things are nice and we communicate, but be mindful of the law. So when you put something out there and an admin scrutinizes it with intelligence and see there's something wrong here. Don't put this thing here. Please, let's be careful. Please, next time, don't do this. Follow it. But then if you get angry and say, and then you sign yourself out. It just shows how immature we are. The information you put there, have you verified it or because it's on social media? Because something is, somebody has recorded something so you think it's true. It's not true. Anybody can record anything. It has not been fact-checked. It has not been peer-reviewed. People can spoil people's businesses by just coming out and doing these things. And if you publish it on your page, I, I think if you are following the news, you realize a police officer had lost her, her job. I think about a few months ago, either early this year, she's a black police officer in London. She's supposed to rise to the next level, you know, and a sister or something sent um, a video of a child being sexually abused or something. You know, she said she hasn't opened the thing, but the law says if such a thing is on your thing, don't open it, just delete it. And that's what sometimes at the old students platform, we keep on saying, those of us in Europe and America, you are giving us problems. By putting those things on the site. If I don't watch it for some time, somebody reports and the police investigates and find such a material on my phone, I can be jailed. So when you are forwarding these things, please, let's grow up and be mindful of the law. So don't just receive something and we, you just read it. It sounds fanciful to your emotional mind and then you forward it to the platform. No, please don't put certain things on the platform. And if you do and an admin calls you, a leader calls you to say, auntie, sister, brother, uncle, what you have put there, um, it doesn't match the standards of the place. Please, next time, let's be careful of this because this is the truth. This one is not the truth. This is a rumor about that church whose information you have put on our platform. It's because our members who also see it, once it's on the thing, they too, they will forward it and forward it and think that maybe Bishop has approved it. And then you will create problems in the house. So let's be very, very mindful of these things. Very, very mindful. Somebody in Germany was jailed the same way. Again, this sort of child molestation thing on, on the thing, I think is there. And, and then there was something that happened on the train. The police stops, check the phone, and, they, and they, out of, he as in, he's not even the reason why they did the stop and check. But this was found on his phone, and he's in trouble. Because once children's stuff are found on your phone, you are in trouble. When things of torture and things are found on the phone, you are in trouble. If you say something about a company, 
because somebody has written something, whether it's a white man or blue man or yellow man, it doesn't matter. Don't forward it if you are not very sure of the content. If there's anything, send the same material to a leader in the church privately and say, what do you think about this? If they say, yeah, this one is true and you, you want to forward it, fine. Or you say, leader, please put it on the platform. It saves you. But don't get angry whenever you do something and they say, don't. I mean, in the past, you've seen people leave church based on this. Based on this. They put information there. So ill-informed. And when they are corrected, they got angry, signed themselves out. Get out of church. Praise God. <laughs> but the church will always do what is right. To safeguard the church and safeguard you. you know we are learning a lot because we are in the social media age we are in the phones and mobile age so we need to know what the law says and what we are allowed to do you know bishop just said you know if you libel a company they can sue you that's right now i want bishop to clarify you know churches are also companies so if you libel churches i think are we allowed to sue <laughs> yes now this is this is something many people don't know Again, that is why ignorance, the Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed. Sometimes we have been very tolerant not to use that part of the law. Mm -hmm. See, when you speak evil of a church and a pastor, you need to be very, very careful. We are not saying don't talk. Make sure what you are saying is the truth. Because when we push it to the law, you will prove yourself in the court of law. Number one, don't think you are just gossiping from the village about someone. The church is a registered company. It's a registered limited company. It can sue and can be sued. So bear that in mind. Now, the, the laws are very clear. And I discovered due to some events in the past few years against our church and things that were said, I have to seek legal advice. And based on some of the evidence that I have, those people don't know you have those evidences. But if you present that to your lawyers and they look at it, if they were, let's say, our kind of lawyers, you know, our skin type of lawyers, I may say, okay, they are just being emotional. But you are talking about top-range English white lawyers who look at the thing and say there's a prima facie evidence that you can sue. And they are saying that, and I say, but how? Then they explained to me an aspect of law. And they said, the law is strong on those who libel a pastor or slander a pastor as compared to that of a, of a lawyer or a doctor. Because with a doctor and a lawyer, their job is not so much about the moral side. You may hear news about a, past, a doctor or a lawyer, and they say, he's a womanizer, he has a wife, but he has, he's cheating and all that. You still, you are not sick, you are sick and you still go to the GP. You go to him. It doesn't affect his job. It doesn't affect the lawyer's job, their moral side. But if such statements go on about a pastor, it affects his ministry. So the law takes a very serious look at the fact that it has an impact on his company, which is the church. And has an impact on the people that will attend to his ministry because for him, his profession and his ministry hangs on his moral uprightness. 
So when you slander a pastor and a church, it's a very serious thing that if they take it up in court and you cannot prove beyond reasonable doubt the things you are saying, the damages are huge. From, from, from income loss, you know, loss of income to so many other things. And they explain all of that to me. So what I'm saying to you is that if you go to the States, it's there very strongly. Here in the UK, it's there. Just as, you know, we look at the moral side. Somebody has misbehavior. Look at relationship with other family and then you hold back. But it's a very dangerous. And when you publish things, like put things on social media, that one, the evidence is strong there. Because that is libel. And if you are libeling, you are, you are speaking against a company, which is a church, it's a registered company, it can sue you. Because anyone that you prevent from attending that church is loss of income. That's how the law will look at it. And integrity, you know, because character takes time to build. And you just take a phone call and damage a character, you can be sued. And it gets to a point where church may have to do that. So you can teach a few miscreants a lesson. But this is the place in law. The church can sue. The church is also a registered charity. And it can also sue. So we are not just there like some fellowship that is meeting under a tree. No, we, we live by the rules. And especially with our church, we are a very serious organization. Some time ago, somebody said we are behaving like an organization. We are an organization. The Home Office doesn't give license to anybody to employ non-EU migrants without verifying the company, without establishing the constitution of the place. You can't just be members a, a, a high-ranking, you know, church within churches together in England without they verifying your constitution and so many other things, verifying the leader, fact-checking him and all his credentials. The Home Office don't do that. The Home Office don't give everybody the marriage certificate. People go to the registry. Not every charismatic and Pentecostal church in the United Kingdom has the marriage certificate issued by government to them. You need to be verified properly. So if you are not a serious organization with serious structure, home office, don't give you those things. So if we have all those things, you have to understand, we are not just some church. We are, we are a serious organization. And so when you go about saying things, you have to be very careful. And it's not only us, but there are also serious churches like that, like that in the United Kingdom and outside the UK. They are also like that. People just speak. It's just that the leadership decides to just gloss over it gloss over it but when you keep pushing and pushing and pushing it will get to a point you may have to throw every diplomacy aside every nice cities aside and sue for once and test the law and then we will see what will happen it's not going to just be fines there will be imprisonment i have all the details given to me i have just decided not to do it for our sake i've spoken to some pastor who was going through the same thing they went as far as wanting to sue finally he just left things we compared notes and I realized, oh, we didn't know this side of the law. So it's important that we get educated Christians. But most importantly, must we do this? If you are not happy with the place, please go. Don't muddy the waters. Go. Go on your own. And let those who have chosen to drink from the same water that fed you, let them stay there and drink from it. Let's, let's be Christians. And let's just bear in mind, are we supposed to be to, in heaven together? I don't see how we are on loggerheads here and God will permit us to carry it on the streets of gold in heaven. I, I don't see how that's going to be possible. So those that want us to be Christians, you too be Christians. Amen.
We are so edified. We are getting understanding. And then, you know, this is wisdom. Wisdom. You have to know some of these things from social media to the church being an organization and to how you treat the leadership and especially the, the pastor. You know, it is said that brand is what the organization puts out. But reputation is what has been accrued all over the years. So you cannot just go on your Snapchat, Facebook, WhatsApp, and in two seconds say something which is utterly false and bring down their reputation. I think laws all around the world, even in Ghana, are really strong on against some of these things. Yeah. So we will come to a, almost a conclusion here. We'll, because Bishop has mentioned it, I will ask Bishop to go over the fact that because we are an organization, we need order. Mm. We need order. Why do we need order? Because you go to work and obviously it's structured. You, there's a lot of work. You know, yeah. we might have some, you know, unscrupulous boss. And then you come to church and you are also under some order. Why is there order in church? Great. Now, you see, without order, there will be no development. Even for God to create, he called for order. Darkness was a symbol of ignorance and confusion. So when God came on the scene, he called for light. And then he began to creep. Because the Bible says there was disorder on the earth. Chaos and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then God began to create. Even if you look at your body, your body, you see the orderliness of your parts. They are not hanging anywhere without a purpose. There's always form linked to function. That's why your eyes are not on your toes. It was placed at the uppermost part of the body so that you can see ahead before you reach where you are going. So it's orderly. If you open the human body, you see the orderliness of things from one place to the other. Even when you swallow or you chew food, the process it goes through before it's finally assimilated and absorbed into the body it tells you the orderliness in it that brings growth and progress. Anywhere there is disorder, there won't be development. If you want to have development, there must be order. And so, biblically, we see the order in which, even when Jesus was going to multiply bread, thousands were standing. They were hungry. There can be commotion and stampede. But for the miraculous to take place, Jesus told his disciples, make them all sit down. Group them in 50s so we could manage it because he only have 12 ushers plus himself, senior pastor, 11 disciples, 12 disciples who became the ushers of the, to feed 5,000 people. They must sit down first so that it can be orderly. Sometimes there's enough to feed everybody. But when there's disorder, stampede results, people die and in the end, everybody dies and the food still remains. And sometimes that's a sad story of some of the countries. For instance, in some African countries, that's a problem. You have gold, you have diamond, etc. But there's disorder from the leadership down. So foreigners will come and take your gold because you are not organized. So in the same way, your organization, where you go to work, you go to work. Why is it because it's money? You are paid there. So that's one, you respect the rules there. The reason why you must come to work at nine and finish at five, there is a reason for management. The founders of the company realized that if we employ 100 people and they all work eight hours with one hour break, we will reach our goal. So everybody must come at this time 
and finish at this time. It's very, very important. It's order. So you report to boss. If you are not coming to work, you call your boss, don't you? So when you come to church, don't say, oh, we are all coming to help. This is the house of God. What God gives you is not compared to the amount of money you are paid. Because the amount of money you are paid still cannot give you life. It can't give you certain preservations. It can't give you certain things. That is why the pastor ends up pastoring all kinds of people in the congregation. From your boss, who may be a member of a church, to the doctor, to the scientist, to the politician, to all those people, they will come to church and pastor is pastoring all of them. They may have money, but they don't have emotional peace. It's a word from a pastor that will settle them. So the work of the church, you know, starts from birth and ends in the grave. When you are born, it's the pastor who comes first to do something. And when you die, it's the pastor who's the last person in the grave putting you down in the ground. This is a serious work. And the work of the pastor transcends beyond the grave, preparing your soul even for eternity. A doctor will prepare your body up to the grave. But a pastor prepares the body beyond the grave. And so in the house of God, just like in any other institution and organization, there is order. The Bible says, and God has set in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists. You know, there's order in the house of God. You can't just come to church and break it. Follow things in the house of God. There are rules and things in the house. There are grievance procedures. For our church, as an example, we've got a code of conduct. It tells us how to conduct ourselves. In the event you are not happy, these are the procedures you follow to achieve a resolution of your grievance. Very clearly spelled out. There's nobody controlling anything. But in order for us to have progress, we must have order. You can't break rules in the house. It will lead to progress. And sadly, we go to work every day. People annoy us there. We still continue there. You come to church, one person annoys you and you get out. You are wonderful. <laughs> All the people you are working with in that office, they don't like you and you know it. And you are happy going. You haven't resigned. You haven't stepped down. But in the house of God, one person offends you and the whole church is now a cult, a demonic entity. And then you walk out. You resign. I'm not happy. I'm not coming. Please, grow up. Amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause? You all agree with me. It's been really copacetic. It's been insightful. We have God's understanding and wisdom. We thank God for your life, Bishop. Amen. We thank you for all the answers, and I'm sure people are as blessed as we are here. Amen. Amen.